Welcome to Valley of Graces, Healing Our Brokenness. This is episode eight, and we are discussing the fear and exhaustion cocktail. First of all, we're going to discuss the causes of fear. The first cause of fear that I have here is scarcity mindset. And then we have our environment. Hell and damnation from church. Learning to act out of anxiety and fear from childhood. Financial problems. Physical health. Emotional and mental health. Spiritual health. Compounded trauma slash PTSD. And then have the length and frequency of trials in our life that can cause fear. Now we have the effects of fear. It rules your life. You are driven by emotions. Make decisions based upon fear. It becomes your norm. We don't thrive. We don't plan and we have the attitude as we might as well live it up, that we're not promised tomorrow. Lack of gratitude for what we have. Next, we will go over the causes and effects of exhaustion. Causes of exhaustion, not enough rest, compounded trauma slash PTSD, autoimmune diseases, not knowing when to say no, doing things in our own strength rather than depending on God's strength. Not enough sleep. Lack of self-care. Parenting. Single parenting. Caregiver stress. Unhealthy slash toxic relationships. And last but not least, not enough exercise. What is the effect of exhaustion? Body breaks down completely. Poor judgment slash decision making. Burnout. Not thinking through. Emotional, mental, and physical stress. Financial ruins. Appearance and health goes down. More accident prone. 
There are three that happen when we drink the fear and exhaustion cocktail. Number one, we forget what God has done for us already. Number two, we become more afraid of man than God. And then number three, we do things without seeking direction from God. The first character we will look at from the Bible is David. David forgot what God had done when Saul after him. He drank the fear and exhaustion cocktail. So what had God done? He helped David to defeat Goliath with a slingshot and a stone. God had Samuel to tell David he would be anointed as king. David was given Jonathan's blessing to help him escape his father's jealous, murderous spirit. When David was on the run, God was with him, giving him refuge from Saul. God used Abigail to prevent his name from being blasphemed from David murdering her husband and all of his men. David could have killed Saul twice, but God protected him from that. However, David was more afraid of man than of God. David decided to make an alliance with the Philistines. It was more of a comfort from the Philistines than the comfort of God, who was his refuge. He was exhausted from being on the run. He grew paranoid. He was filled with despair and hopelessness. All of this had set in. In 1 Samuel 7, it says, But David thought to himself, One of these days I will be destroyed by the hands of Saul. The best thing that I can do is to escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel, and I will slip out of his hand. So David and the 600 men went with him and went over to Achish, son of Maok, king of Gath. David and his men settled in Gath with Achish. Each man had his family with him, and David had his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail of Carmel, the widow of Nabal. When Saul was told that David had fled to Gath, he no longer searched for him. The last thing David did is that he did things without seeking direction or approval from God. David asked for help from God when he ran from cave to cave, from desert to desert, and from cave to desert and desert to cave. However, he did not ask God if he should form an alliance with the Philistines. This is very telling. He didn't stop to ask God and the fact that it was not recorded in the Bible what God said to David about his behavior of joining alliance with the Philistines is also telling. This is kind of left up to our imagination. But it also means that David put himself into the position of committing murder. Did he ask God, was this the right thing to do at that moment? No, he didn't. In 1 Samuel 27, 5 through 12, it tells us, Then David said to Achish, If I have found favor in your eyes, 
let a place be assigned to me in one of the country towns that I might live there. Why should your servant live in the royal city with you? So on that day, Achish gave him Ziklag, and it has belonged to the kings of Judah ever since. David lived in Philistine territory a year and months. Now David and his men went up and raided the Gezerites, the Gersites, and the Amalekites. From ancient times, these people had lived in the land extending to Shur and Egypt. Whenever David attacked an area, he did not leave a man or woman alive, but he took the sheep and the cattle, the donkeys and the camels and the clothes. Then he returned to Achish. When Achish asked him, where did you go raiding today? David would say, against the Negev of Judah or against the Negev of Jeremiah or against the Negev of the Kenites. He did not leave a man or woman alive to be brought to Gath. For he thought they might inform on us and say, this is what David did. And such was his practice as long as he lived in Philistine territory. Achish trusted David and said to himself, he has become so obnoxious to his people, the Israelites, that he will be my servant for life. The next person we're going to look at is Elijah. He also drank the fear and exhaustion cocktail. First of all, Elijah forgot what God had done. As soon as he began, he began to be threatened by Jezebel. God had provided food for Elijah through a widow. He revived the widow's son. The next miracle that occurred was that Elijah prayed and it did not rain for three years on the earth. And he prayed and it rained again. Elijah had victory on Mount Carmel when God showed up through the burning sacrifice to prove that he was the one and true living God. God gave Elijah the power to execute all of the prophets of Baal right there in the Mount Carmel area. However, once again, we have it where Elijah was more afraid of man than God. In 1 Kings 19, it says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I did not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. So he ran for his life and he went to Beersheba, allowing Jezebel in her controlling, manipulative, lying, seductive spirit. To scare him off. At this point, Elijah was exhausted from being on the run and from all of the other things that had occurred before this point. He was paranoid from fear and exhaustion. Fight or flight kicked in, and hopelessness and despair set in for him at this point. In 1 Kings 19:4, we are told while he went, himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. He got caught up in the spirit of self-pity, and it's over. At this point, Elijah had more of a comfort 
in death, the thought of him dying, then putting his comfort and hope in God, who had just guided him through several miracles. The next point we're going to look at with Elijah is that he did things without seeking direction or approval from God. After Jezebel threatened him, he did not ask God what to do in response to Jezebel's threat. God's spirit had been working with Elijah all along. We do hear from the conversation that Elijah and God has that God is very displeased with Elijah because of his response. He asked Elijah the same question twice. And unfortunately, Elijah gave the same answer. In 1 Kings 19, 9 through 18, it says, There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on a mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mountain of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, turned down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazel. And Elijah will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet, I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. God wanted to clear up Elijah's assumptions that he was the only one left. 7,000 people are plenty, and he wanted Elijah to know that. The last thing that we would discuss is what happened when I drank the fear and exhaustion cocktail. This was the year 2013. And I was going through a very painful divorce. And for this particular occasion, my ex-husband came to the house for visitation. And it was a visitation that was not supposed to happen. He wouldn't leave. And during this point that all of this went on, 
I forgot how God had protected the kids and I already. He'd already been our Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He'd helped us through friends who were the hands and feet of Jesus for us and already assisted us through the police. Even with a an kidnapping uh, stunt that was performed by my ex-husband with the kids. He had the hedge of protection around my kids and this entire time. However, in this particular moment, when my ex-husband called me, all of those things went out the door from my mind. He called and he made a fake threat that he'd gone to the police department prior to coming to the house. That was all that I heard. It tripped up the fight or flight in my body and had already been through an extensive amount of trauma. I was also at the point of exhaustion because it had been the fourth time had I called the police, it would have made the fourth time that I had had to call them. And I got to the point where after his threat, I started thinking to myself, maybe they're going to think that I'm the one who has the problem. Maybe they'll think I'm crazy. So with all of this going on, I packed up my suitcase, took my divorce paperwork with me, overnight clothes and pajamas for myself and my daughter had my friend to pick me up and we fled to her house. And then what ended up happening is we stayed at her house for the night. However, he continued calling and texting us all night to the point where we had to shut our phones off. We came home to a door that was left wide open which in fact induced more trauma. Looking back on the situation, I realized that I had more fear of what the police would think of me rather than thinking about God's response to how I handled the situation. Instead of me praying and getting direction from the Lord on how to proceed, I immediately played into my emotions of fear, just as Elijah played into Jezebel's threat. I immediately played into my ex-husband's threat of him going to the police department prior to him coming to the house when I already knew what the visitation schedule was and I could have easily gotten it this particular schedule an agreement from my attorney with the police. However, I was not able to think straight at the moment. And I could have had the police to stop any further behavior. I was so caught up in my body's response, the exhaustion from what had happened just a few days before of having to call the police. And so therefore, I paid attention to my emotions instead of pressure. I just wanted his behavior to stop. God protected us and that he did not follow my friend's car to her house to escalate the situation. What is the remedy for the fear and exhaustion hangover? Knowing that our emotions are real, but not allowing them to reign. Acknowledging them, 
praying and asking God in direction. And if it's an absolute emergency, call the police. Things can get worse. And that's what I fail to do. If it's not an emergency, the best thing we could do is allow our bodies and minds time to rest and relax, eat food, take vitamins, and replenish ourselves. And in 1 Kings 19, this is what it says that happened with Elijah. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. So the first thing would be filling ourselves up with food. The second thing would be giving our bodies and minds time to relax and rest and heal. The third thing would be filling ourselves up with God so we can calm ourselves down. And we all get filled up differently. It could be music. It could be sermons. It could be nature. It's all different ways to fill ourselves up. And that would be the third thing that we need to do. And the fourth thing is to take measure to see if our expectations are lining with reality. Elijah's didn't. He was riding on the wave of fear. He assumed that he was the only prophet left. Is what he did. And that was not the case. There were 7,000 other people who had not bowed down to Bill. So when our expectations do not line up with reality, it can get us in trouble. And in a sense, it can kind of be prideful. I hope that you've been blessed by this podcast tonight. And I am wishing you a blessed rest of your week. And just remember, be careful of drinking the fear and exhaustion cocktail. It can cause you to have a running hangover. God bless. You turn those valleys into places to learn instead of burn and perish away. And night's never so cold Without His grace How could I say That I've seen the world From His great love How could I know What He could love How would I've seen What He had in store for me If I didn't give up
Yeah. Uh-huh.